Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. And welcome to the Video Game Lounge Podcast. We have a very special episode for you guys tonight. It's the Halloween special episode. Of course, everyone has to have one. It's our first year doing the podcast, so of course we're going to do it this year, because God knows what we're going to do next year for the Halloween special. Probably just talk about video games and drink a lot. But, you know, of course, trick or treat to you fine listeners. Uh, maybe you were tricked into listening to this, or, uh, you know, it's a tr- maybe it's a treat for you to be here. Either way, we're... We love to have you listen to the podcast. Of course, I'm Master Shake Almighty Drizzle, Kevin. Okay, that's I know it's a lot of names. You can just call me Kevin if you want. Then we have Wolfman John with us. And of course, Pale Man Andrew. And he may not know that reference, but it's from Pan's Labyrinth. Great movie. How you, how you boys doing tonight? I am the Wolfman. I am here. It's probably because I'm a hairy woolly mammoth, but that's fine. That is correct. Yeah. I thought you were going to call me Meatwad. Meatwad Andrew. Like, <laughs> you know, Master Shake. <laughs> yeah. That would mean he's Frylock. Yeah. That, yeah, it would. Mm. Nah, he's Carl. He's Carl. Carl. Get out of my pool. Carl. You can't go killing people, Carl. When I hear Carl, I just think of Walking Dead because it always sounds like Carl. That's Coral. Yeah. Coral. <laughs> I got to find Gotta find Carl. <laughs> this went off the fucking rails real quick. How you boys doing tonight? Hey, zombies are scary and spooky. Uh, dude, I'm doing all right. I'm here hanging out with my bros, ready to get ready to get down on an episode. So, how about you, Drew? How are you feeling, man? I'm doing all right. You know, I, I can't really complain. I'm able to be here with you guys, talk about the spooky season. We have everything coming out. Like that's well, I mean, it, you know, you got pumpkin spice coming out. But, I mean, my favorite is the apple cider. I love the apple cider. Yeah, apple cider's uh, the bee's knees. Yeah, ditto. Second that. God, I bought some tea that was supposed to be apple cider, and it's just cinnamon. So it's like drinking <laughs> hot cinnamon. There's no apple flavor. Talk about the most. It's still on my cover. That thing's like two years old. For some reason, we still have it. Don't get the apple cinnamon apple cider uh, tea. It's pure cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Hot trash is what it is. I'll tell you about uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, me and Emily went down to uh, North Carolina. And on the way down, we stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts in Southern Virginia. And they had an iced caramel apple cider. It was fantastic. Let me ask you boys this. This will, this will start off showing... I guess how hickish of the area we live in, because I know not many people that listen to this might, well, probably a lot of people that listen to this probably won't know what the fuck we're talking about. Well, we'll explain it. Are you guys excited for the Apple Scrapple Festival? Oh, in Delaware? Hell yeah, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I miss that so much. That is is legit. That is an Eastern Shore thing, uh, (laughs) part of the Delmarva Peninsula. Yes, Apple Scrapple for sure. Do you guys want to explain what the Apple Scrapple Festival is? Because I know people know what apples are, you know. Doctors fear them all day, but uh, not not many people know Scrapple. I mean, you brought this horse out of the barn. Why don't you, <laughs> you, you steer it where you want it to go? 
I talked about this on stream one day because I was trying to explain Scrapple to my people watching me on stream and they thought I was insane. I was like, all right, so you guys know hot dogs, right? Everyone loves hot dogs. Well, most people like hot dogs. I love hot dogs. Scrapple is essentially what didn't make it into the hot dog. And hot dogs are full of the most heinous parts of a pig. <laughs> this is true. And, and Scrapple is literally just the scraps of what's left over that couldn't even go into the hot dog. And it gets worse. You guys already may be muting me going, what the fuck? All right, so when you buy this at the store, it's pre-cooked, right? Because people eat this shit yeah. raw. And you always get it, you get it in squares. Yeah, it's a big old hunk. And it's gray. And when you cook it, it gets more gray. Are, are you guys looking on eBay right now to find some scra uh, Scrapple? If you do, you got to get Rappa. There's two different types yeah. of Scrapple. I don't even know what the other kind's called. It's shit. They served it uh, at the prison I worked at. I felt bad <laughs> for the inmates. There are a couple of other kinds, but Rappa, Rappa is the primo brand. It's it's mwah, it's a French kiss. So I'm actually going to go a little step further for your description, Kevin, of what Scrapple is. But oh, because it actually originated, um, I think it was during the Civil War time or World War II, where actually they were trying to <laughs> feed. Hold on. Those are two very distinct and different time periods. The Civil War or World War II. Those it was during like... the war. Like, I don't I don't care. It's history. It's it's. It, I don't know the I don't know the dates. I don't care about the dates. <laughs> I I'm a math person. I I married a math person. I don't care about history. <laughs> Only a hundred years apart or something, you know. Say nothing of techno technological gains in that time period. <laughs> and basically, the food during that time, they were trying to make sure that they were uh, like they had so much scraps and um, stuff that wasn't as being utilized whenever they were having a food shortage. And they ended up utilizing that by throwing it all together. And definition of Scrapple from Merriam-Webster is a seasoned mixture of ground meat, such as pork and cornmeal, set in a mold and served sliced and fried. It's so much gelatinous. Like, it won't jiggle like Jell-O does, but if you, if you spank it, oh, it's going to give a little bit. You know what I mean? It's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce back. You know what I'm talking about. What's funny is I've had the chance to try haggis. And I was like, that's gross. And then I would go home and fry up some scrapple with, and make a scrapple and egg sandwich. Doesn't that, doesn't that seem a little rude <laughs> that I wouldn't try haggis? Which probably is better because they have a whole bunch of spices in it and it's lamb. I don't know. So basically, in short, people, the definition is in the name. Scrapple, it's the scraps. There you go. And we have a and we have a festival that celebrates apples because it's fall, which is, you know, prime apple picking. Yep. And scrapple because it rhymes. I don't really I don't really understand why they have the two together. Well, I think it was probably more to promote the orchard that TS Smith had and selling for the fall time and whatnot, and that's why they incorporated the two of them because there's also I think it's an apple festival or that's also up here near me now that's up near like Elkton, Maryland. And it's around the same time. It's not as big as the downtown goings-ons of uh, Bridgeville, but it was very nostalgic to partake of a few years ago. I think that's a perfect segue into what you're drinking. I, I can't imagine. I, my mouth is watering right now thinking about Scrapple, and the only thing I can quench is some alcohol. So 
John, I'll start with you. What you, what you drinking tonight, my friend? Um, so I am drinking a little bit of this. Mm. Oh, love that sound. Um, so high C (laughs) it's a high (laughs) C baby. Yeah, no. So this is, um, similar to what Andrew had mentioned way back. I think on like episode three or four, it was, uh, Andrew was drinking the Jack Daniels Blackjack Cola. What I am drinking is the Jack Daniels Whiskey Cola. So this is a 7%. Uh, it's got the Jack Daniels label and logo and all that shit with the number 7 on there. But it is. it says on the can, a perfect mix of whiskey and cola. And damn if it isn't, man. This is pretty good. So Jack Daniels Whiskey and Cola. How many came with that? Was it a six-pack? No, it was actually a four pack and it was like 13 bucks for the four. It was insane, but worth. Yeah. Well worth it. It's, it's good stuff. I'm actually on my second one because I had one with dinner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> was, did you eat Scrapple for dinner? Uh, no, did not have Scrapple Die. for dinner. We had enchiladas. Almost full circle. Yeah. Almost. That's a tube. That's a tube of meat, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Andrew, what are you drinking? There, brother. Currently on the stream, I'm just drinking some Pepsi because earlier I just came back from Iron Hill Brewery, where they are also ser- like they are also celebrating an Oktoberfest, and I had several beers there, uh, a couple of sours, a couple of uh, red lagers, one that was called I don't even remember. It's a good. It's a good name for a beer. Oh, it was. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> no, but then I also had a. Uh, uh, Hawk and Broughton. No, it was a. Uh, I did have something off the Oktoberfest menu that was uh, a really good meatloaf and potatoes. And I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. It's okay. But afterwards, after all this is done, after I log off, I am going to actually go upstairs and get some uh, some cold apple cider. I'm going to nuke it so it's nice and warm. And I'm going to add some Captain Morgan because that is one of my favorite fall drinks. I don't think I've ever had that. It sounds really good, though. You can even top it with a little bit of like ready whip on top. Ooh. That's got dairy in it. We've discussed this before the stream. Yes. We also discussed that uh, we'll be going to bed soon and <laughs> it'll be fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wake up in pain. Um, oh, no, I'll, huh? I'll have pain before I go to sleep. It's okay. <laughs> My whole world is pain. I know nothing but pain. Now the world will know pain. <laughs> Sorry. More, more weeb references. <laughs> I'm kind of following Andrew's, uh, I think it was the last episode, no, it was previous episode where I didn't know what, uh, what, what, do you call, what do you call it when you crush the, the leaves? The mojito? Yeah. Do you remember what it was called? Uh, I just remember us making fun of him like he was, because he was doing hand motions and it looked <laughs> like he was jerking it off. <laughs> no, he said it muddled. 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 There you go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so whatever episode that was, I think it was two episodes ago. Two, three episodes, something like that. I looked up. Uh, some Zelda-related drinks, and I found a mojito from Legend of Zelda called Ocarina of Lime. So Ooh. this bad boy's got some Bacardi Superior rum. I had to get the the shit rum out of my house, so I found some Superior rum. It's got some fresh lime, some mint leaves that I muddled. <laughs> found out what... No, I knew what that meant. You guys found out what that meant. Uh, teaspoon of brown sugar. 
and some sparkling water. It's actually really nice. It's got a, a nice green hue to it, uh, mostly because of the fresh lime and mint leaves, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm not very good with color, so I couldn't tell you why. So so is it a little bit more manlier than the woo-woo? No. The woo-woo is probably the most manliest drink you could ever have in your entire life. Mm. Like, the only thing that's more manly than a woo-woo drink is if you took straight liquor and you mixed it with isopropyl alcohol and then chilled it <laughs> with rusty nails. That is the only way you get more manly than a woo-woo. Yeah. And I'll stand by that. I've gone to the bar. And I've looked the bartender straight in the face at some biker bar, and I was like, hey, you got any woo-woos? And every biker in the bar was like, woo-woo! And then we all drank, and everyone clapped. It was the greatest time of my life. So if you don't like to drink woo-woos, you might need to question yourself and how manly you are. Go to the bar and order a woo-woo. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone in that biker bar was like, man, is this guy manly. This is the type of man that's like toilet papers for sissies. Yeah, I grew a handlebar mustache after drinking it. It was insane. And I can't even grow hair. Look at this guy. He's so manly. He's got hair coming out of his fingernails. <laughs> in fact, the woo-woo had hair in it. It is a biker bar. It wasn't exactly the cleanest place mm. in the world. but That's my biker voice. That's a good biker voice. It sounds like you're actually on the bike. Yeah. And you're actually, and like you guys can't see it because uh, obviously this is an audio podcast, not a video, but John's like jumping up and down on the seat. So either... He's pretending to be on a bike, or he's got something in his chair. Ooh, you'll never know. <laughs> I can't think of a better time to just bypass the biker lounge and go directly into what are you playing this week. You just got pulled, 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 pulled. You just got pulled. So, I know Andrew has got to be playing something really good because uh, Genshin Impact had the update recently that he was talking about. So let's find out if he's completely demolished Genshin Impact or if he's actually played something else. Andrew, what you been playing this week, my man? I've been playing Genshin Impact. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no I, um, I had been playing. Um, I was able to unlock a couple of good characters that just came through, and that was fun. Um, most importantly, most importantly, I played Final Fantasy One. Oh, <gasps> did you beat Final Fantasy One? I beat Final Fantasy One. Hell oh my. yeah! <laughs> oh I practically doubled my level. I, I it took me uh like in three days. I ended up almost doubling my level, and I was like, you know what? I tried to go in the final level at like twenty eight, and I'm like, ah, let me just like grind a little bit so like before work after work like a couple different times i was like all right well that's another three levels all right that's another two levels all right that's another three levels before i knew it i was at like and from 28 to 42 i was like all right let me get into this final dungeon and i go through the final dungeon and by the time i'm done i'm like oh that, that was quicker than what i thought and then all of a sudden i'm beating it and i'm at level 48 i was like oh i better let kevin know <laughs> and I was very happy. Very, very happy. So what was your total time spent in Final Fantasy 1, Andrew? I have a lot of steps. <laughs> I don't know about time. I've got a lot of steps. Because you died a few times, right? Well, that was the thing. Like, I tried to do the final dungeon whenever I was still, like, level 28. And 
because of that, I died twice in within three hours. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I'm not going to keep going. And then that discouraged me for a while. So then I went back to it, beefed up. There you go. So, so Kev, can you beat the dungeon in Final Fantasy 1 at level 28? You can actually, like, are you talking about me personally or can you, like... I mean, like, is it possible? Like, just in general, somewhat, can it be done? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of challenges. Um, I'm not sure about level. I know one challenge is you have uh, four white mages. There's actually a challenge you only have one white mage. You kill the rest of your team and you just go and beat the game with one white mage. With I'm not sure white what the level mage? One. Jesus. Yeah, I'm not sure what the level is, but it is possible to beat it at level 28. I think the speed run... Because they're not going to sit there and grind. They grind for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think the speedrun probably does it under 20, level 20. Once they get into the dungeon and once they get beating some of the bosses, then yeah, they're going to go up levels. But I think they beat it under level 20. The one like walkthrough guide that I ended up finding before, it was recommending at least. It said you know high 20s, like 28, 29, it's possible, but it'll be difficult. Low 30s to mid 30s would be more practical to try to beat it in. So, uh, Andrew, you also been playing any Warzone? Actually, no. Mostly because uh, Bill and Kevin, other Kevin and uh, Ryan, like Bill and Kevin were off on vacation. And me and Ryan, our uh, work schedules are different. And I just, I will play multiplayer by myself. But I, re- I won't really play Warzone by myself. It's there's too much to rely on other people, and if you don't have the right people you can to rely on, it it all goes to shit. All right, so this is a PSA, Star Lord O Seven. If you're listening to this, send a friend request to Chaz O'Keem, <laughs> and you guys can can shoot bro me, down. Shoot me a DM on a uh, Discord. We'll hook up, and and then you'll play Warzone. <laughs> a little woo woo. <laughs> So I I have I, I can honestly say I've been playing three games. You guys already know at least two of them. <laughs> so you know I've continued to play some Magic, uh, just mobile game of choice. It's usually what I'm playing as I'm trying to go to bed. They just started the next um, season of Magic though, so they've just switched what is currently in historic and standard. I was telling Kevin about it a little bit last week. So pretty much all of my decks have had to been retooled. Because a lot of the stuff that I was using is now considered historic, and I just I try to stay in standard if I can, because historic just is like any card that isn't banned from 1993 till like two years ago, and so I'm just trying to stay in that bubble of standard, so it's my decks are as fresh as possible. But I did get platinum for the third month in a row. It took me a nice. minute. Yeah, it took me a minute because the the update came down in the middle of the season, so I was. I needed two more wins, man, to get to the platinum, and it took me like a week and a half to get them, um, but finally got it. So I got, as the time of this recording, I need just to sit on it for four more days, reap the rewards, and then start over again for October, because we're we're recording this on September 25th, and then um, uh, playing a little bit more Ghost of Tsushima. I'm almost at the end of that. I'm at the end of Act 2, and so I'm getting ready to get into Act 3, and then I'm hoping it's not going to be too much longer for that. And then the third game that I was playing, uh, Kevin's going to love this. I don't know um, if you guys saw my Discord message from a couple of days ago, but we actually had a literal snake come into work. And I say snake, but it was like uh, 18 inches, maybe, maybe like in total length. Um, 
that that just literally snuck up the steps and went in uh, close to the the office that I work in, and uh, we got it out eventually. But um, I was like, man, that's a sign. I'm playing Snake Eater. So I hooked up the PS2 and threw in uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Um, and what I what I decided to do was I actually didn't skip through the cutscenes because it has been a long minute since I've actually played this game. So I popped it in this morning and like the I forgot how long that kind of opening sequence is. It's like a half an hour and then you add in the codec messages and stuff. So actual game playing time, I think I spent about 10 minutes with and then I had to save it because I was like, I'm going to just soak this in as or like soak up all the content as if it was my like first time playing in a while. So got to play a little bit of MGS3 and uh, yeah. So Kev, what you playing, my man? Uh, haven't had too much time to play too many games this week. Uh, did complete Final Fantasy X too, though. Mm, so nice. Uh, I, that this game was the first one where I didn't. Uh, I don't think I did anyway. Uh, too many side quests. Um, the game actually has a percentage, and it shows you what it is when you complete because it has yeah. a new game. It has a new game plus. So I sent Andrew a picture because I every anytime I beat it, I send a picture of the end to Andrew and he like timestamps it so we can go back uh, later on this year when I beat him all, we can figure out how long it took and all that stuff. But uh, my percentage for beating the game was fifty five percent complete. Yeah. So it was a very fun game. I love the boss, the end boss. Give give the other percentage completion. Oh yeah, for the creature collection, the the game, the the game mode that I was talking to John about that I absolutely hated. Because they throw it to you right in the beginning of the game, and Shinra explains how the game is or how the the creature collection works, and it legitimately takes 15 minutes for him to explain to it. So I was already pissed because I I didn't get to play any of the game. Like he, I play. I think I had like one or two battles that I got to do, and I've already had the cutscene, so I'm itching to play. And Shinra is just going on and on and on and on about this creature collection. I did 1% of a creature collection. <laughs> I, I did it like once and I never touched it again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to save this for another playthrough because I didn't want to go back and see all this stuff. Uh, game was game was okay. Uh, definitely wouldn't rank it in top five. Probably not even top like 10. But it still is a Final Fantasy. Like it could be like it could be the worst one that I played so far and I still enjoyed it. Like there was no point in the game where I was like, oh, this is this is dumb. I want to move on to the next stuff. Like I love the the dress sphere changes. Yeah. Really I really like how they brought back that class kind of thing. Uh I did miss limit breaks. They had like a pseudo limit break where you could ha- fill out the dress sphere and you turn into like a really powerful like one of the people, uh Yuna, Riku or Pain, would turn into the other two would leave. So say if Yuna completed her dress sphere and he turned into her magical thing, sh- the other two would disappear and then Yuna would turn into... Like a super version of that dress sphere, pretty much, yeah, right? Yeah, and then yeah. she would she would, she turns into like a flower. So she has three different attacks she can do. So you still have three people. But the limit breaks were, you know, really nice to have. But like I said, the, the end boss was really cool. It was five different parts, which... Uh, the Final Fantasy's kind of got away from, from what I noticed. Sephiroth had three. Uh, I don't think, I think eight just had the one. Nine just had the one. 
Nine's I don't think I talked about this. I think Nine's ending uh, Nine end boss was the worst because how low his health was. He only had like twenty thousand HP or something like that. It's very very yeah, low. Yeah, but yeah, and then also the end of Nine, you just you you fight Kuja, then you fight Garland, and then you fight like random god of that universe that had never been one mentioned or two ever heard <laughs> no. of in that game. And and I love Final Fantasy Nine. It was the first one I played. I love that game. But yeah, that actual end end boss is like no one you've ever heard of before. So I uh whenever Kevin does complete the games, like he says, he'll send me screenshots or he'll give me a, a lowdown of what's going on and how how his thoughts were about it. And I do have a remark catalog for Final Fantasy Nine that end boss a bit of a letdown. By far the easiest yet, but happy to see four bosses leading to the final boss like Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, you remember Final Fantasy 1, Andrew? <laughs> Do I remember something that happened three days ago? I might. Keep, keep, well, I can't remember, I can't remember Final <laughs> Fantasy 1 uh, if, like, if you had to fight the four crystals, because I know you fought the four crystals to get to the final spot, but they kind of relived that in 9. They brought back, like, the four main bosses that 1, 2, and 3 had. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, at the end of at the end of one, each of the once you get to a certain spot of the dungeons, each dungeon floor that you progress further down into the dungeon, you go against the first, second, and fourth or first, second, third, and fourth bosses that you originally had to unlock the crystals, and then the final boss at the end. Other than that, me and my wife almost beat Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I know we talked about it Ooh, a long time ago. Nice. So we have there's three acts, I believe, and the, it's the same thing over and over again in Baldur's Gate. So you go to a dungeon, it's got like three levels, on the fourth level's a boss, and then you'll do three more, three more levels, do fourth level has a boss, and then you go to the next act. So we just beat Act Three's first boss. So we should only have three more floors to go, and then the final boss, I think. Um, I haven't started 12 yet. I'm hoping to start 12 on Monday and I'm really looking forward to that one. They completely change up the battle system, which I'm looking forward to. And I think that's why I'm not drained of Final Fantasy yet because each game adds something new to it. Even from one to two, they changed the leveling system. I'm not saying two's leveling system was good, but they changed it up. So it was nice uh, to have that throughout the Final Fantasies, to have different things to look forward to. So, Kev, are you going to play that on the original PlayStation 2 version or the the remaster, the Zodiac Age? Not Zodiac Age. The rest of my Final Fantasy adventure is going to be on Xbox. Uh, nice. I did, I did since 7. I've played them all on Xbox. Damn. Just Just solely for the achievements. So 7 through 15 will be all on the Xbox so I can get some more achievements. That's a good ship. That wraps up what you're playing, but now we're going to be talking about the spooky season. <laughs> this episode is not just going to be about games that have scared us, our, our top scary moments, uh, what we think the scariest games we've ever played are. I, I kind of want to, we're going to discuss that, don't, don't get me wrong, but I kind of also want to discuss, which will wrap into what we're playing into what will you guys be playing to get you into 
the the spooky season. You know, a lot of people start watching scary movies. Andrew's got his drinks. Like, I, I guess we all kind of you know drink our drink our drinks, like the apple cider, and we talked about apple scrapple. But I know I've got a few select games that I play every year or every couple of years. I'll play again just to get into kind of like the Halloween season because I love I love Halloween. I I it's one of my favorite holidays. I just I love the the spookiness of it. I love I love putting decorations out for the trick or treaters to come to my house. I love passing out candy. Love dressing up. So it's it's a really fun season for me. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm really excited for this episode. Now the question is, do you go dark like like dark with your decorations or do you go like, you know, fun and lively and like here's some pumpkins, here's some jack-o'-lanterns, here's a a floating balloon ghost in a blanket or do you go like I have someone maimed in the front yard there's blood coming out oh that blood's candy dip your hand into the stomach kids there's candy inside the belly perfect place to hide a body uh I told my wife years ago uh when we first decided we wanted to have a kid I was like all right I'm doing the scariest shit for decorations that you can possibly imagine. I have this creepy ass baby doll that when you walk by, it makes uh, weird ass noises. Mm. And I hooked that up in my old house to a little mechanism that when people walk by, it drops down. And whenever it drops, it hits the motion sensitive. So nope. it starts doing the, the things and then nope. it slowly comes back up. I'm out. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I had. I'm done. Uh, I can't do we it. We had some. We had some bushes uh, beside my front door that I had a zombie. Whenever people would walk by, it would start going like uh, waving its arms back and forth and making groaning noises. So I love, I love doing the the creepy, scare the fucking pants off you. And I think this year I might try and convince my wife to uh, to get like one of the big monstrosities, like the the stuff where it's like two hundred bucks for Jason Voorhees, where he, you walk by and he like swings his knife or I remember I love this story. Uh, my dad took me trick or treating. I think this is what started my whole scary thing was there was, I, I think I was, I was super young. I had to be like six or seven and we were in me and Andrew's neighborhood and that little circle. Cause there's plenty of like, these were some nice looking houses. So they, you know, they got some nice looking candy. So there was this, uh, gorilla, chilling in this chair on the front porch and it's a very long walk up to the house and I remember I had my dad's red flashlight and I walk up I get out of the car and I shine the flashlight at the gorilla and I'm like frozen and I'm like shining in his eyes tempting that motherfucker to move and like my dad's like well go on so I was like okay so like I put the flashlight down, I take a couple steps, I freeze and I flash him with the flashlight again. Nothing. I was like, all right, we're good. So I go up and I knock on the door. And this fucking gorilla gets up and goes, hey kid, you want some candy? Ran back to the car, terrified. <laughs> Crying my eyes out. See, that's the kind of shit that I want to do to the kids in my neighborhood. But as soon yeah. as as soon as we have a kid, I told my wife, all right, we'll do the kid friendly stuff so we don't freak out our kid. 
And then as they get older, we'll go back to the terrifying stuff. So that's, and to answer your question, I love the scary stuff. When I have the kid, it's going to go to the, the little cute little pumpkins with the rosy cheeks. And then when they're like two, it's going to go back to the scary stuff because I'll be old enough to understand. And see, what's funny is the uh, high school that John and I went to, uh, when we were freshmen, I remember like talking with a senior that was on the soccer team and he lived back in that area with the circle and he and his buddy, also a senior, would do that for the past few years. <laughs> like, so I was trying to think of like, oh, I wonder if uh, Seth and Kyle were the ones that were out there pretending to be gorillas on the front step. <laughs> There's no way. I was way too young. Way too young. But I, I got to warn you guys, like, uh, okay, yeah, I, I do enjoy getting into the holiday spirit and, like, you know, encouraging the spooky season. But if either one of you dresses up your kids as, a, like, a little Chucky and have him come at me with an aggression, I will punch your kid. <laughs> maybe my kid deserved it. <laughs> or maybe you did for dressing your kid up that way. I'm just going to be like, Joe, no, watch, 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 watch. <laughs> watch, watch, watch. This is why we had a redheaded kid. <laughs> John, what about you? You not uh, you don't do the scary stuff. Um, like as a kid, I can remember kind of doing some of the scary stuff, but it was more family friendly. Like I, I come from a, I, I'm I'm the oldest of three kids, so uh, like my my dad and mom are kind of more of the family friendly type stuff. But uh, I can remember older being a teenager, man. It was kind of like there were just no rules, man. Like it was scare as many people as you want, get as much candy as you want, and it didn't matter if that candy was in someone else's bag pillowcase or whatever it was <laughs> it was oh, like you're that, playing uh, by street rules there dude for real uh what's that um what's that movie where one night out of the year they get um purge the purge yes there we go see i knew kev would know it yeah it was basically the purge but no one was really killing anyone and then in my neighborhood i don't know like especially once i moved back to into the neighborhood that uh that that Andrew would come visit all the time because of the church was there. Um, the thing to do the night after Halloween was to take whatever decorations were as a pumpkin and then smash them on the street. So you would go to your neighbors, people you didn't know, and just grab everyone's pumpkins and then just smash them in the street. I never did that, but that was just what all the kids in the neighborhood did. I was like, no, I don't want to do that because they handed out like full-size candy bars. Those are like a dollar. Like, I want to go there next year. Like, don't ruin this shit for me. I want my full Twix, man, not the fun size. Fuck that. Um, so again, like this is completely localized too to where we grew up, but there is a park that's close to where Kevin lives currently called Pemberton Park. It's this park where you can go on these awesome walking trails and they're all... Um, marked by uh, these color-coded like trail markers that are nailed to a tree and they're different colors, right? And then they would do a thing for Halloween where you would go down these certain trails that's in the woods and they would have like the scary stuff set up like graveyards and all these things, fog lights, spooky things. And man, this guy, I remember being like six or seven, scared the living sweet baby Jesus out of me, man. Because you walk down this path and you're seeing all this shit. And then there's a light, bright ass light facing you. And you come up to it and you can't see anything else because this light's kind of blinding you. And you're just standing there like, hello, is anyone here? No answer. Like, hello, any candy? Like, what do you guys got for me? And then still no answer. And you're just like, okay, uh, I guess we're just going to turn around. And then out of nowhere... This dude just jumps with this ginormous battle axe from behind the light 
and just starts chopping all the mannequins that are there. And then there's like what looks like blood just squirting and flying everywhere. But it ended up being like Kool-Aid or something. I don't know what the fuck it was. But dude, it was the scariest thing. And then there was another one. You guys, we talked about on a previous episode, the old mall. They actually used to have uh, their, there was a department store called Peebles. And then when Peebles went out of business, that entire, like, imagine your generic plain Jane basic bitch um, department store that then was renovated for Halloween to do like a haunted house. Oh my fucking God. They would do some shit there that was like insane. Um, they had this thing there where at the very, I, I'm fast forwarding because there was a lot of shit there at the end, but you had, you'd go in as a group of like 20 at a time and you go down this path and at the end of the path, there was a clown on either side of you that was dressed up, but they were standing behind like waist high level tables and they would pull out props and there was goofy circus clown music playing. And it's like, Okay, they're making like balloon animals, and then they do like a magic trick, and they pass out a couple of uh, bags of candy for some of the kids there, right? And so this goes on for like four or five minutes, like, hey, these clowns, they're not creepy. And then they both reach down at the same time, and you hear, and it's chainsaws. And then they start swigging them about, and they come chase your ass. And then you run down this long corridor to get out. But what they did, this whole room has um, paper on it, like your regular eight and a half by 11 paper that is sticky on one side and that side is facing you. So this whole room is lined with paper that'll stick to your shoes as you're running. So it slows you down. And I can remember being like an eight-year-old kid having so much of these things stuck to my shoes that I fell down. And then one of these clowns took the chainsaw and would like st- stood over me and was like waving it in my face and I was like fuck it I'm done I'm done I'm out of here I'm shitting my pants I don't know where my parents are I'm fucking gone like <laughs> that that by far is the scariest Halloween memory I ever had <laughs> Jesus just listening to you guys like reminds me of all the different Halloween memories I have like I just remembered like four of them just listening to both of you talk from a uh, uh of being upset about not getting a certain like Halloween costume to going to people's. <laughs> okay. So when I was about eight, my grandparents were watching me. I don't know what my parents were doing. They wanted to be out for the night. They didn't want their kid. Understandable. Fair enough. So I'm, my grandparents came over to my house and it was Halloween or nearby. And we went to people's for that Halloween thing. We waited in line for, three hours we watched beetlejuice from beginning to end to beginning again (laughs) waiting in line we went through the thing and it wasn't even all that fun or fantastic it we went through it with like we walked through it in 10 minutes and then we're just like so done with the place whenever we left that i I found five bucks in the parking lot. I remember that distinctly. There you but go. Then, uh, then I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess there is some upside to the night. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, the one that I went to scared the shit out of me, man. Uh, and there was a, there's another funny story with that, too. You go into this room where they're performing like a seance, right? And they're like, all right, everyone just sit around this table. We're going to summon these spirits. Has anyone, then they like ask just plainly, is like, has anyone lost a family member recently? And then, of course, 
there's a plant in every crowd, right? So someone's like, oh yeah, I just lost my grandmother, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it, it's a plant, right? It's it, the, the guy or girl is in on the thing. And so they're like, okay, we're going to summon Esmeralda or whatever the hell her name was, right? So I'm this eight-year-old kid and I remember putting my feet under the table and I accidentally kicked someone that was under the table, right? And I could hear, oh, fuck. <laughs> so then I made it my mission to kick this person as many times as I could because I totally took them out of the whole thing because what it was is like, okay, we're going to summon this spirit and this table's going to shake. And then they were supposed to like raise this table, but I kept kicking this person under the table. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, and I could hear them going, man, some little fucker is kicking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was that kid. I was that kid. And then I definitely got my comeuppance 10 minutes later with, you know, what I just told you guys about the clown. Yeah, that scared the living <laughs> shit out of me, man. That was probably the guy under the table. Yeah, he's, he's like, like oh, I'm going to find I'm going to find this little shit. I recognize that kid. I recognize those Reeboks. <laughs> those Kmart kickers. <laughs> I know you bought them here at the old mall, kid. Come back here. God, I know. Uh, just talking about this kind of stuff already. I'm already in the Halloween spirit, even this early into the month. I know for you guys, it's not that early, but for us, like John said, it's the end of September. But I know for a fact, I've already got it installed on my Xbox. I'm going to be playing Costume Quest mm-hmm. uh, for Xbox. I, I th- believe it's on PlayStation as well. Costume Quest is not a scary game. It's a very kid-friendly RPG, I would say. It kind of reminds me of Super Mario RPG, but it's so adorable. It's cel-shaded, and the story starts out where it's you and your brother or sister. You, it's a, it's a brother and sister, and you get to pick in the very beginning. Do you want to be the boy or do you want to be the girl? Same story ends up. If you pick the boy, your sister gets kidnapped. You go to try to save her. If you pick the girl, your brother gets kidnapped. You try to save her. Or save him, sorry. So it's a lot of fun because it's it's Halloween themed and it's in the so in the overworld you go around, you try and collect candy because you can use candy to buy different uh costumes or different accessories to go with the costume and they do all kinds of different abilities. But whenever you go into the battle scene, because you're going against these like gremlins, whenever you go into the battle scene, it turns into like this fancy high dollar action scene where your robot costume that was a cardboard box with uh, the metal tubing on your arms you're now like a Gundam going against this creepy fucking gremlin and they get special powers and each costume does different things uh, some are offense some are defense like the the ninja is really good at attacking they even have limit breaks so I, I play that game that's one game I play every year during Halloween, because I just I love it's very short. You probably beat it in like six hours. But it, it if you guys have never played it before, I highly suggest it. Even if you're not into RPGs, I think this one is easy enough, relaxed enough where you won't even realize you're playing an RPG. So have you got you guys never played it, right? No. No. It you you mentioned it before though, and it did sound fun. I just I haven't had the privilege. when, when did that come out, Kev? That came out, whew, man, I've never played it on the Xbox 360, so if I had to guess, it was probably like 2011, if I had to just pull a, get a year out of my, my ass. Out of your bowl of candy? My bowl of candy. 
2014. Came oh, out nice. in the year 2014. Close. So I was way off. Samsonite. <laughs> way off. <laughs> do you guys uh do you guys have any games that kind of you, you you try and play every year to get you in the the spooky spirit, Halloween spirit? I got to be honest, not really, but I've had games that are that are spooky to me or at least make me feel scared or on edge. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't try and get those that, that fear in you every every year during Halloween time. I understand most people don't. I uh I, I love being scared. I think it's a it's a really neat feeling. So I try and play games a lot and watch movies a lot that terrify the absolute piss out of me. So I know I do it. John, you said you don't. Andrew before John tantalizes us with one of his many spooky games. Do you have any do you uh do you play any games to get you in the mood for Halloween? No, uh, I unfortunately I don't. Um, it's not. I'll, I'll probably watch like some movies, but not games. Just because I know that you've always been the one that's been more horror game. I guess. Uh, like as I've gotten more, like as I got older, I got more. You know, some thriller movies and games, but the horror aspect just doesn't really appeal to me. It, it well, I'll be honest. It it fucking freaks me out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I've looked up different games that are like, you know, top 10 terrifying uh, or, or, you know, 10 terrifying video games to play for Halloween. And like one of them listed is Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh, me and I know we shattered them out last time. Me and Meyer Mind played. I, we did it for like two or three years. There's a couple years I had to take off because I was busy. We would play Luigi's Mansion and we would race each other because we, we, we both played it before. But we we didn't know enough to remember exactly what to do, so we would just race each other in a, in a pseudo speed run. So that was always fun. Uh, so Meyer, mine, if you're listening, I know you are. I missed that. Let's do it again this year, my friend. Nice, nice. Oh, and side note, Andrew, you're talking about horror movies. Now I'll make this real quick. I get pissed off at movies that call it horror, but they're not scary. Can we? Can we? Can we please? As a civilization, make a genre where it's scary movies, not horror movies. There's a there's a very distinct difference. Just because someone gets killed in it by a dude in a mask doesn't mean it's scary. I want to be terrified. That's what I... Like, give me that scary genre. You can still have your horror... Like, for some reason, they always lump sci-fi and horror together. Do you guys notice that? Yeah. Yeah. It's bullshit. Because what's unknown is scary. I agree. That's why some of my favorite movies uh, have like the unknown thing behind it to, to make your imagination the most terrifying thing. But come on, you guys, you could do better than that. I agree. No, but uh, like I, there aren't many games that I've really been into that have been that kind of spooky aspect to try to get into the season. I do enjoy games that do have the like event aspect of it um, that will carry on like holiday earnings holiday celebrations and things like that i I say holiday loosely i mean some of them are you know christmas um like not everyone celebrates them like christmas and halloween and different things like that um but whenever i played destiny destiny 2 they always had different earnings like you could eventually have like a jack-o'-lantern 
kind of helmet hat that you could put on your head and it kind of glowed and you could wander around with that and then everybody wanted to do that because that was the the thing that they wanted to unlock and then you looked like Dwight from the office and you can't get the pumpkin <laughs> off of your head. It was funny whenever Warzone did that because you could unlock the jack-o'-lantern head and you could clearly see whenever someone had that on and they were hiding because <laughs> the jack-o'-lantern head was so damn big. I was like, oh, I'm just hanging out in these bushes. Like, all you see is this just big jack-o'-lantern head, or I'm up on this building. Like, you could clearly, you could see that from so far away. It was so dumb. And then if there's any, like, green flames or anything like that, like, remember the one watch was glitched um, for uh, for Warzone? The watch was glitched, so you could see it running through the walls. Like, you could see the wall where you see, like, this little, like, neon color or something just running around because you can see it through the walls and... You could tell that there was somebody over there. How did he see me? Oh, I wonder, Timmy. Fucking Timmy. I know, John, you already said you did, so you guys want to talk about some of the most terrifying games we've uh, experienced in our long tenure of video games? I'm sure there's going to be some games on here that aren't even scary, but they had some like scary moments during them. <laughs> sure. All right, um, I'll start it off with one. And this was, it was kind of scary in the moment. And then I was actually just watching gameplay of a, of a YouTube clip of it before we started recording uh, earlier today. So this is a game from 2010 called Dante's Inferno. I know I had asked you guys before we started recording if, if you'd have played it. So if, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, imagine God of War and Devil May Cry had a baby. And that's pretty much this game. And it's it's set in the world of um, the actual um, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, the the poem of Dante's Inferno. So I think it's like it's pretty early on, chapter three or four, or something like that, within the game. And you're going through the seven circles of hell, and you finally get to the circle of lust. <laughs> and when you finally get in there, you see this like really sexy like silhouette of a woman, right? And you just see her as a shadow. And then she breaks through this wall thing and she's like topless. So, you know, you see some like 3D boobies. Very nice. And then out of her crotch comes like this 10 foot long like snake that wants to like eat you. And then it just that becomes the common enemy of the area. It's just all of these like half naked women that have crotch monsters. This <laughs> is what I call them. that want to eat you. And it's kind of scary. It was kind of funny. And in the moment, I was like, what the fuck is this? But you're in lust. And so it's the circle of lust. Um, and so all of these crotch monsters want to attack you. But what's funny, you know when the crotch monsters are going to come because they kind of get on their hands and knees like exorcist style. And then they just like open their legs and then boom, crotch monster comes out. Like if you remember the movie Aliens, when the, the alien popped out of that guy's stomach, imagine that but coming out of this woman's crotch and there's that there's like 30 of them <laughs> <laughs> boom crotch monster comes out it's time your sex tape yeah and then later on in the level you actually face like the the lord over the the circle of hell i forget her name but you're climbing this tower and you got to face this woman who is also again uh topless and she's uh, like as terms of in terms of scale um you're like Let's say you're one to one. She's like ten to one, and she's climbing this huge pillar, right? 
and you're you got a fighter you're using uh death scythe and doing all these like attacks as dante and then the camera like zooms in on her breasts and then you realize that her nipples are hollow and she squeezes them and out pops these little babies with sword arms. And I was like, fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> like when it's when it's babies or little kids and they're meant to be scary, I'm out. Like I, I can't handle it. And then you're doing this boss fight against her and then these little babies with, if you remember the very shitty um, Wolverine Origins movie where they like totally just disregarded anything in the comics about Deadpool Basically that, but as a baby, and then there's a hundred of them. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it was, like I said, partly scary, but kind of funny. And I was just like, what the fuck is this doing in this game? <laughs> so, Andrew, how about you? Do you have any any scary ones? Any scary moments? So, uh, back with Xbox 360, there was a game that kind of launched a good franchise for a while. That was called Dead Rising. And me and Kevin would play that all the time. But Kevin would always play it longer than me and better than me because, to be honest, you know, when you start out, you find out, oh, you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. You have to figure out how you can arm yourself, upgrade yourself. Can I escape? Can I get rescued? Can I survive? Well, you go through, you're starting out in the morning and you're going through the day. And then once 6 p.m. and the night happens... Everything changes, the settings change, the, the mood gets darker, and then all the zombies have fucking glowing red eyes, and they emphasize on that every every time that it went to the nighttime. And when I when I say that like my heart like my my blood pressure went bloop skyrocketed each time and I'm just like nope 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 and then I realize okay well it just cut to the middle of it of whatever i was doing i was probably running through a field and i i had you know a couple of them that nearby me well now i know where they are because all i see are these glowing red eyes all around me and i gotta run away nope 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 nope, nope. they had bees man you just gotta kill them and grab the bee in their head and you smash and they all die easy peasy yeah if you find the right one <laughs> you you can always tell because they're like they're waving their hands behind their head I figured that out when I got my seven days. Like they just don't care. <laughs> hey, oh. What about you, Kev? I, I I play a shitload of horror games. I got so many to pull from. Uh, I kind of want to start with a it's a scary game, and I modded it to turn into a funny story. So I'll start with the game. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. You guys never played it, uh, but Slenderman. Do you guys remember Slenderman? Yeah. Um, yeah. You had to go around, collect the eight pages uh, in the spooky ass forest where some dude was with no face was following you, and your screen would start getting staticky and stuff whenever you would, uh, whenever you would get near. And your flashlight sucked ass. It only covered twenty percent of the screen, and you're just in this creepy ass forest. It was very, very well. I mean, it was just a little thrown together game. It was very well made, but uh. I remember I downloaded a mod uh, called Give Me $20 for this game. So there is a, this mod changed nothing about the game except for one thing. So you'd have to go around. It's still spooky ass dark. Still got this shitty flashlight. Still fucking trying to collect these eight pages uh, before the Slenderman kills you. But instead of hearing white noise and loud static whenever he got near you, you would hear the song, 
give me twenty dollars, give me twenty dollars. <laughs> Whenever the Slender Man would come <laughs> fucking chasing after you. Holy shit. If you can just look up Slender Man, give me twenty dollars on YouTube just just to fucking laugh. So so the game went from completely scary to me laughing my ass off playing this game because I mean it's, nothing else changed. Everything the guy stole completely white. He has no face, wearing a suit, but you would see him in the corner of your eye, and all you hear is "Give me twenty dollars, give me twenty. And if you looked at him more closely, the song would get louder. If he got closer, the song would get louder. So it would go from very faint to "Give me twenty dollars, give me twenty dollars, give me." <laughs> Shit was so fucking stupid. Whenever Slenderman came out, I knew of the like the the horror of Slenderman, but I never even knew there was an origin of it being in a video game. I mm-hmm. just like. Yeah, I mean, it was probably dumb of me. It was probably, like, me just not being in that inner circle of following the horror games. But I knew of the, the premise of Slenderman, but just I never knew it was part of a video game at first. Hmm. It's, it's funny because I'm not sure I have to just guess Slenderman the game was the first instance of it. But it comes from what's known as SCP, which is a... Uh, I, I love these. They're a collection of stories that people just made up. It was basically a big 4chan Reddit kind of thing. I don't remember what the SCP stands for, but it's basically just government agency that collects all of these entities and they rank them on their, how dangerous they are. And there's some really cool ones that just, I I, might've spoke about this before, so I'll keep it brief, but there's some real brief ones that aren't dangerous at all. They just, uh, I don't know, there's one where there's a duck that follows you around, but it doesn't do anything. It's somewhere near you, in the vicinity of you, at all times, but you don't know where it is, so you might turn around and see it. It might spook you a little bit, but it doesn't do anything. Uh, to the point where there's this monstrosity that's almost made out of, I think it's like made out of like paper mache. No, I'm sorry, it's made out of something that's indestructible. It looks like paper mache. It can only move when you blink. Uh, so you blink... And you open your eyes back up, and it's, it moves super quick, so it's, like, right in your face. And if you keep your eyes closed too long, it kills you. It eats you and snaps your neck, and it devours you. So I think that's what Slenderman came from, and there is an SCP fan-made game. But I think Slenderman might be the first game uh, featuring any of the SCPs, actually. So you made me think of a Doctor Who reference there with the Weeping Angels whenever, you know, when you're looking at them, they don't move. But as soon as you blink or t- turn away, that's whenever they move. And then the very quick, and when I tell you, whenever I watched that, that like that was the episode that solidified me into enjoying the newer Doctor Who. Like it, if you if you ever want to try to figure out if you want to get into the sci-fi of Doctor Who, look up the newer series. Um, I say newer because there are some older ones, but the newer series of season three, episode ten, called Blink. And the Weeping Angels. It it was it's very good. It's not it's a an episode that's not even like based on the Doctor per se, but just how other people can also be affected of the things that he sees and takes care of and whatnot. But <laughs> I I was not expecting you to mention like or, or talk about give me twenty dollars. I wasn't expecting the sound to be the thing. I was expecting you know you you paid for a mod that instead of Slenderman you have Shrek coming at you in the woods or something like that. And he's just like get out of my swamp. Here's in my swamp. Get out of my swamp. Nah, man, give me twenty dollars. Fucking banger of a song. <laughs> John, you got any 
Got any give me twenty dollar moments? <laughs> Are they all creepy? <laughs> no, no. Um I, I burned my comedic one on the first one, I'm afraid. So <laughs> it wasn't nearly as good. Uh but I had crotch monsters, so Maybe that's how you get rid of the crotch monsters. You got to give them twenty dollars, and then and the, yeah, there you go. And then you, you you get out of the third circle of hell. Yeah. Would the babies be less scary if they came out of the fucking like crotch going? Give me twenty dollars. Give me twenty dollars. I don't know, man. They still got knives for arms, so probably not. <laughs> no. So what if, um, what if that's just you know how they collect the twenty dollars? <laughs> you got to put it on the knife. <laughs> It's like a shish kebab. Yeah, they can't hold it. It'll just, they'll like Edward Scissor hands it and make it into like <laughs> confetti. <laughs> um, but no, I'll hop in here with uh, a game that I've mentioned previously on, on this podcast and definitely my game of the year for last year. But I'm going with The Last of Us Part 2. Um, say what you want about the game and story, but um, what I found completely interesting with this game because the game is in two parts, and I'm I'm saying it that way so that I don't spoil anything for my two co-hosts and for anyone who hasn't played the game and is interested in it. But the game is in two parts, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But what you think is a game that is like one side versus the other side, there is a third party introduced. And then on top of that, you also have the infected, right? But you have a, a third party that's introduced. They're called the Seraphites. They're these religious zealots that live uh, in Seattle because this game takes place mostly in the Pacific Northwest uh, in and around Seattle. And the Seraphites, they use this language that's whistling. So they never talk when they think an enemy is around. And you never would have thought that like whistling would be scary. But when it's the only sound that you hear because you don't hear them communicate with one another, like they have like seven or eight different whistles as like, hey, this whistle is for when we think an enemy is nearby. Hey, this whistle is to inform you that I'm going to the left, you go to the right. Or hey, I think this guy's over here or or whatever. Like, dude, and these guys do not fuck around. They They hang their enemies and then they cut out their intestines. Like, and then the one group that you're fighting against calls them the Scars because they kind of do like Heath Ledger from the Joker. They kind of scar their face. These guys don't fuck around. They're a very scary and brutal enemy. And to introduce, and to introduce a third party within this game, absolutely, I think it is genius. And, and I think it's very intelligent. And they're just scary motherfuckers, man. Like, they are, are uh, a force to be reckoned with throughout the game and you don't want to mess with them. And it's... Their, their communication with the whistling is so eerie and keeps you on your toes. It is so, man, it gets my heart pounding just thinking about it because there's so many moments in the game where you're forced into combat and trying to stealth around these guys. And oh my God, man, it it, it is tense and you never want to face them in combat because they, cause they're kind of like these like homicidal Amish guys like they're they're religious zealots they don't use guns and they they use bow and arrows and my god do they have just the most deadliest of aim right like they're they're kind of against technology is kind of the thing but man you get into these these firefights with them and you have to be very creative in how you go uh through these areas and man it is it is so like just intense and and very uh fear inducing at least for me like the first the three or four times that I've played through that game 
they are they're pretty scary. So I'm going with the Seraphites, The Last of Us Part Two. So my ADD was all over the place for that entire description because you did like this motion, like from your uh, your cheekbones down to your mouth. So instead of uh, thinking Heath Ledger and the Joker, I my mind went to uh, the Princess Bride because I just watched that, and all I could think was Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. <laughs> and then you were talking about how like ravenous these people like came and attacked you and this and that, and how they don't do technology and how their aim is like super awesome. And and my mind went to the Reavers and with Firefly, Josh Wheaton's Firefly. Dude, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, those those things are scary as shit in that show. Yeah. I because I, I I love what uh what Zoe's quote is. She's like. If they find us, they're going to rape us, they're going to sew our our skin into theirs, and then they're going to eat us. And if we're very lucky, they're going to do it in that order. That order. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> God, that was such a good show. Hey, if you want to listen to more on that show, you should check out Saddest, Smoking and Drinking in Space. Boom. Bringing it back home. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Smoking and Drinking in Capes. Featuring uh, Rob and Jason where they review superhero movies while drinking their asses right off. Just complete flatness back there. I've seen it. It's not that impressive. Uh, Make sure you give them a listen. You can chastise them about all their opinions on any kind of superhero movies. Uh, As of this recording, they just reviewed the new Shang-Chi Marvel movie. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi? Shang? 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 Shang-Chi? Shang? Shang? Shang. I think it's Shang- Shangri-La. Shanghai Noon with uh, <laughs> Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you uh, about how much they hated it or loved it, but uh, I will say that this episode sounds like it was sponsored by Aquafina. So make sure you give it a listen. You can catch those guys at the uh, CBC website. John, what is that website? Creativebraincandy.com. There you go. And you can find that along with this podcast and smoking and drinking in capes. Andrew, you have any other scary moments or games? Yes, actually. And because I haven't been that interested in some of the other like third person point of views or like I've, I've always been a first person shooter kind of player. Not always. It's, I've had a lot of RPG aspects into it, but like doing other third person scary-ish games like Dead Rising or whatnot, I it didn't fully grasp me. So when Fear, F-E-A-R, came out for the Xbox 360, I was I was interested. Like, yeah, it was kind of scary looking, but I mean, because what was uh, the, the acronym for it is First Encounter Assault Recon, Kevin? Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a mercenary group or like a government agency or something. That's what it was supposed to be all about. Yeah, and they're supposed to infiltrate this area um, as just a regular um, operation, and then all of a sudden all these like supernatural spooky things go on. And I remember one point in this where you're entering a building and you're walking down a hallway that's like kind of poorly lit with those like, you know, fluorescent lights that flicker on and off, and it's a narrow hallway. The only door is, you know, behind you and maybe something in front of you. And as you're advancing down the hall, 
The lights start flickering. Uh, uh, oh, shit. You advance a little further down the hall. They flicker some more. And then you hear something behind you. You turn around and there's nothing. You try to turn her in the front like, oh, shit. All right, uh, let me let me try to hurry down the hall a little quicker. And I'm, honestly, I think this is probably still in the t- tutorial. But <laughs> you go a little further down. You hear more behind you. Lights flicker and then lights go out. And they come back on and the entire ceiling is like a pool of blood. You still have like this, uh, this fluorescent lights down the side, but you see like a slight ripple effect as if there was water or blood that was actually like collected with no gravity on the ceiling. And you hear something else behind you. You turn around. There's nothing. You turn back around to go towards where you need to go. And then there's this kid. And it's like, Jesus Christ. And I know I did not describe that too well. But back then, that that, that made me uh, jump. No, that was a, that was a terrifying game. I, uh, I didn't make it too fast, the uh, tutorial with the Andrew, because uh, I remember playing the tutorial. And you're climbing, like, like Andrew said, it's a first-person shooter. You're climbing up this fucking ladder. So as your first perspective, all you see are the rungs of the ladder as you climb up. All of a sudden, this little fucking kid's right there. And I'm like, holy fuck. Get out of here, little shit. Just pops in there. Yeah, man. That game was terrifying. So <laughs> it, it lived up to his name. I never played the sequel. I think I had three of them. I think I had Fear 1, 2, and 3. And it had a multiplayer aspect as well, which never played. I think one of the aspects, like, I think I saw from either somebody's gameplay or a trailer or something that, like, the kid... You try to start shooting at it, and the kid dismantles your gun in front of you. You, like, lose your mag or something like that. And you, so you have to, like, try to reload, but you're scrambling as you're trying to get the magazine back into the, the gun. And Fucking kids. As you all know, I, I love the Alien series. So, of course, Alien Isolation has to be mentioned. Basically, just the whole fucking game. Uh, you're just getting chased by an alien on the ship, and you can't kill it. You can harm it so it runs away, but your ammo for any kind of weapon is very, very finite. So you're basically reduced to hiding and using little machines to distract it into a certain area so you can get around to the next area. And not even just the aliens, there's uh, the robots in the, in the, uh, the game. I remember one scene, before you even get your like first weapon, you're walking up, and one of these robots uh, are on the ground, and it grabs your leg as you walk by, and they start. And the, the way they walk is so menacing; it's almost like the Terminators, not not like Arnold Schwarzenegger or the guy in T two, but the ones that are in like the beginning scene where they're actually in the war, and they walk so robotically where they 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 move their shoulders back and forth. That's the way these things walk, and they're hunched forward, and they're they're like almost doing a fast-paced walk towards your ass, and you got to run from them because you can't really kill them. You can kill them later right. on with this big-ass wrench you got, but that game was... But just... not when you're under-equipped and... Oh, man, you had nothing. You had, like, flashbangs, and they don't even fucking do anything uh, to the to the robots. And the first time you see the alien, holy fuck, man. And it was really cool because they had a setting in the game where you could plug your mic into it, and if you made noises, the alien, the alien would hear you. 
So I turned it on, and of course, like something would happen, it would pop out and I'd go, oh shit! And it fucking <laughs> it turns around, and looks at you, and I'm like, god damn it! And the coolest thing about that was the the save feature in Alien, uh, in the Alien Isolation, was because most games you go to the save point, you hit the menu, game freezes, you uh, you're saving the game, you're safe. In this game, you had to insert this little card into the machine, and you had to wait for the three boops to happen. It would go bing, 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 and then you could save. So the whole time this is happening, you can get attacked, and you can look left and right to see if anything's coming your way if you need to pull out and go run before you actually fucking save. Like it's fucking Jenga, but... Jumanji? You ain't pulling out in Jumanji. Come on, yeah, man. but you're running like you need to, you're <laughs> not going to get attacked before you can do your turn. But no, I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. Just not even being safe at the save point, it just added a whole another level of terror. Because you, 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 I mean, most games you see a save point, you're like, yes, there's a beacon of hope. Right, that's an immediate pause. The only thing that like kind of I can remember to relate to that would be playing Goldeneye on the N64, where it took you like 12 seconds just to lift up your watch to try to pause it. And the whole time you're getting shot at. <laughs> See, man, my mind went to like real world, like when you're playing Manhunt or uh, Tag or Hide and Go Seek, where it's like you have that area that's designated as base that's like the safe zone. <laughs> like, this is base. It's usually that tree yeah. in the front yard, like it's <laughs> base. Yeah. And yeah, insert kid who's got a huge tree in the front yard that's the, <laughs> you know, the area that is the safe haven, right? <laughs> Johnny Boy, you got any other mentions for spooky games? Yeah, and this is more um, just from the standpoint of like feeling the most tense that I think I've ever had as far as a video game experience. And it's Heavy Rain. This game came out in 2010 on the PlayStation 3. And I could just be as broad as ever and just say literally it's this entire game. But um, if you're unfamiliar with this game, there is a serial killer that's called the Origami Killer. And you play as four different characters throughout the game, and you're trying to figure out who the Origami Killer is. And one of the characters you play is uh, the dad of the little boy who is taken by the Origami Killer. Because what the Origami Killer does is he abducts little boys, he puts them in this drain pipe um, during raining season, and you have like three days to figure out where this kid is um, before he drowns in this in this pipe, um, man, absolutely the, one of the most well written games I've ever played. Kev, would you say that it's accurate calling it kind of like a point and click adventure because it's more, it's more like you hold like the L stick, the the left stick, like the analog sticks and R two. You're really not doing a whole lot of button presses. It's kind of an interactive story. Would you would you say that that's true? Yeah, I agree with that. It reminds me of Andrew. What was that point? Uh, the pirate game, Poison Point and Click Adventure. Oh, um, Monkey Island. Yeah, reminds me a lot of Monkey Island. Yeah. So, and at any moment, all four of the playable characters. So you have the father of the kid that's missing. You have uh, a girl named Madison who is a reporter uh, who suffers from insomnia. You have. Uh, an FBI agent who has the most Boston accent ever. Alex, my buddy from work, I know you're listening. 
you know I love you. Uh, this guy's Boston accent is thicker than yours. <laughs> um, and he, uh, it's this FBI agent who has a drug addiction, and then you have this private investigator, right? And they're all they're all four playable, and they can all die at any moment in the game. And man, there are just some intense freaking moments because as the dad character, you get contacted by the origami killer, and you give you're given these challenges. You have to drive at a high speed for like I think it's like three or five miles on the highway in the opposite direction. And if you fail that first mission, you may not find your kid and you yourself can die. And then after that, you have these other missions. You have to chop a finger off in front of a camera and you're in this abandoned apartment. And then you have to, you have like a real world five minutes to find stuff in the apartment to help you. You have to go turn this uh, electric burner on so you can cauterize your wound. You have to go stand up and go to the bathroom and find the alcohol. Then you have to go to another room and find the rag. And then you have to go to another room and find scissors in a drawer. But it's, again, it's a PlayStation 3 game. So all the animations take like a minute to do. And you only have like five minutes to do all these things. You have another one where you're crawling through glass in these air vents. And all you have with you is a pack of matches. And then you have to light the match and then look at where the flame's going to dictate which way in the air vents you're supposed to go. And then you come to this very, uh, this open area that's inside of a power plant. And you have to climb through live transformers that are like hooked up and are running. So you could electrocute yourself and die if you're not careful. Then you have another one where you're supposed to go kill, um, I think it's like a drug dealer. Um, and then you have one where you're supposed to drink poison on camera. Like you're in all of these crazy ass scenarios, right? And then all these other characters have moments where they can die. You play, like I said, as this, uh, reporter named Madison, she confronts this guy who has the secret level underneath his house where he dismembers bodies and you can die in that moment. And that reporter dies and can't meet you at the end. The FBI agent can die. Like at any moment in this game, any character can die and man i have never played a game where i'm such on pins and needles and have had like my you know i'm watching my six i'm watching my my 12 i'm watching my three my nine everything man like i am trying to make sure that i have so much in front of me keeping keeping my wits about me while playing this game man it is so intense i freaking love this game um so yeah that's that's my my number one i guess we're doing a a countdown um yeah a pointless countdown um so yeah man i freaking love that game heavy rain from 2010 baby another good game that i have yet to complete but i do own (laughs) it's in the backlog that game just does so well of making sure that whatever character you're playing in that moment you know that their life can be taken, and you have like literally mere seconds in between decisions uh, to to interact with other characters within whatever storyline you're working through of those four characters. Like your life is in danger at every moment in that game, and it's it's so man, it's so fucking awesome. It's very well written. I freaking love that game. 
games like that, my anxiety just like shoots up too high, and it's like I I forget what buttons I have to press to create the right like scenario to save my ass. And yeah, that that game, uh, the guy who did that game also did Beyond Two Souls, which came out in 2013, and then also Detroit Become Human. All three of those games are kind of in this same style where it's like more interactive and um like story driven type stuff where it's more point and click kind of a thing so all three really great games i love them so how about you andrew so the xbox 360 was my time of horrorish scary games because another game that kevin and i used to play was left for dead and i didn't play much of the second one i know you own the second one too kev but that was where we were like, you know, multiplayer online was becoming a thing and we could actually go through and play against other people online. And that was always fun being on both sides of it, I guess, being able to be the person that's trying to, you know, survive and get away, but also be freaked out because you don't know where these zombies are. You don't know where the fat guy that's going to explode and like spit acid. Like you don't know where the like long tongue guy is going to be to grab you and pull you back away from the rest of the group. You don't know if you're going to go into a room and you're going to see the witch chilling in the corner and you just back away slowly. Just back away slowly because you don't want to bother her. That fucking weeping that she did to let you know to let you... Oh, man. Shit. That was... That was a game that, like, wasn't as terrifying for me. But it wasn't a game that I like, yeah, I want to play this all the time. <laughs> but it was something that was fun that like that fits the bill. Good times. It's funny you guys mentioned uh, about stressful games. Uh, I have a game. I don't think either one of you guys have played, but I highly suggest it uh, because of how stressful it is. And I want you guys to try it out the same way me and Joe did it. So it's called Until Dawn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's quite a few games like this now. Uh, this was the first one. Uh, it's completely story-driven game. And me, the way me and Joe played it, and I want you guys to do it with your wives, is because your, your guys' wives don't play too many games. Um, so what we did was I held the controller, and then she had to make the decisions on what happened. Because it's just this. these games are literally just create your own adventure. They give you options, and... They give you like five seconds to pick. So Joe's freaking out. And then I've got to react to what she says. Because if you don't pick anything, that's also an option. So I guess there's like three options. But playing through those games is so intense because it's it's like six to eight characters. I can't remember. But depending on what you pick, depends on what happens to these characters and how the story keeps on progressing. And you can make it through the entire game with everyone surviving. And I remember... My wife, we were doing really good. I think one character had died and we got to the very end and she made one decision. One decision. We went from five survivors to two. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Joe, you killed them all. What's wrong with you? So I I highly suggest that's a a great Halloween type uh, game because it's it's very horror driven, but it's also very fun. It's a great way to get your wife to... Or your loved one, your spouse, whoever, to to come in and play games. They don't play games to just it's because it's almost like a movie, but you get to make decisions. So you get to you get to make the choices, and well, I'm sorry, they get to make the choices. You get to push the button. So it's really fun. But one game that 
definitely I, I'm playing again this year. Is uh, I'm sure you guys heard of it. And I'm sure anyone who has played video games has heard this game. Can't play it anymore. You can play pseudo versions of it unless you're very lucky and still have your PS4 with it. Is a little demo called PT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can beat it in like, what, an hour or something like that? Isn't a very short game? It's just a demo. Yeah. It, I don't think I have. It turned out to be a Silent Hill demo, which was eventually canceled. Ah. And Sony took it down from the shop. And it was one of the most highly downloaded games. It's by far the most scariest, terrifying game I've ever played. That was Kojima, I, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, PT... It's very simple. You are in this hallway. You go straight for 30 steps. You hang a right. Another hallway. Take 20 steps. There's a door to your left that looks like a main kind of door. You can keep going straight for another 20 steps, and there's another door. And there's doors, like, scattered. There's another like a, there's another bathroom door uh, around the corner. But you go to the end of the hallway... And you start the the hallway all over again, and that's the entire game is this uh, is this hallway. But every time you go through the hallway, things change to the point where lights start flickering, lights go completely out. May or may not be a couple jump scares in there. May or may not be a fucking fetus inside of a sink. Fetus may or may not start talking to you. I mean, it's Kojima. I mean, it's very right. yeah. It is, oh my god, I'll share, the, I have a download for it, somebody remade it for the PC, because you can, like these, the PS4s were selling for thousands of dollars if they had this on their hardware, because you could download it if you owned it, but they took it off, if you didn't download it, you couldn't play it. I think it was PS4, PS3 or PS4, but it was so fucking terrifying, holy shit, I cannot express how fucking unnerving this game is i i want you guys to play it so bad and i just want to be in the room while you guys are playing it i fucking i absolutely love that demo and it's a shame that we'll never see that silent hill version come to life just because konami fucking hates silent hill i don't they make the dumbest decisions about their games but i highly suggest that john i'm surprised you being a big batman arkham knight series game fan that Man Bat wasn't on your list. You remember Man Bat? Yeah, yeah, Man Bat. Did that not terrify the shit out of you? And I, yeah, that too. And then I, I also remember in the first one, Arkham Asylum, that battle with Croc is is pretty damn yeah good too. But I mean, I shouted it out. I think maybe on episode one or two. But these the very first like scarecrow scene in Arkham Asylum is pretty damn scary too because it's trippy as shit. You see like it starts with your dead parents in the morgue and then you're you kind of feel like you're on this like hallucinogenic high and you kind of go through this this whole level seeing scarecrow and all of these like hallucinations and shit. That's that's a pretty damn scary moment in that game. It's trippy as hell. And of course Andrew, we discussed this on our top 10 moments, but uh, of course, Fatal Frame 2, the infamous mm-hmm. yes, 9, 9 yes. a.m. summer where I was terrified for my life and you scared me even worse. Uh, if you guys want to hear that story, uh, go ahead and listen to the first episode we had. Um, Amnesia, 
Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of that or not. That's a very scary-ass fucking game that I've played on stream, completely in the dark, terrified to hell. Uh, that's more like a psychological horror. Didn't you also play uh, Five Nights at Freddy's? Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy. Five Nights at Freddy is not scary uh, once you've played it for a little bit because the Five Nights at Freddy is solely jump scares mm-hmm. and it just recycles the same four or five jump scares. So eventually you just get angry at the game because don't get me wrong, when you first play it, it's fucking terrifying. But after that, you just get annoyed because you're like, no, I totally shut that fucking door. Get out of here, Bonnie, you piece of shit. Got a couple more games I want to mention before we gotta wrap this up. Manhunt. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Manhunt scared the piss out of me as a kid. PS2 era, baby. Yeah, man. I think it's in my PS2 currently. I was playing it when I was at work one day. Um, John, I want to buy and ship you so you can play for October for Xbox 360, a game that I mentioned before, Condemned Criminal Origins. I want Ooh, you to play this okay. game because it is amazing it's one of the, i talked like i said i talked about it and i think it was my top 10 moments as well but it's very scary and it's a lot of fun uh dated i think because it like i said it was an original xbox 360 game but it's god it's so good it has a sequel uh sequel's not i didn't think it was as good still worth a playthrough did you ever play uh you played dead space didn't you yeah dead space dead space again uh was had scary moments um, I don't think any of them actually like pop out at me, but they definitely did have some moments where there's like one moment where the alien jumps, like aliens tentacle comes out of, uh, the roof or something and grabs you and you have to shoot the, the tentacle. And that has little babies in it, John, that has little babies that have three tentacles coming out of its back that shoot spikes at you and they can jump on the walls so you have to shoot their little spikes off their backs before you kill them, and you can stop them. Uh, that game, that game's a lot of fun. I, I suggest that it, they're remaking it, which I'm super jonesed about because they, uh, it looks like it's going to be kind of Dark Souls ish, which I love some Dark Souls as well. Plenty of other games that I could go on and on about that I can't wait to play. I mean, it's not the same color palette as a lot of the other games, like uh like Silent Hill or Resident Evil, but don't sleep on a Doki Doki Literature Club. Man, fuck that game. I mean... Don't even spoil it. Don't be fooled by it. Yeah, don't don't even spoil it. Just play the game. Play the game. Come back. Talk 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 with us on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of it. John, have you ever heard of Doki Doki Literature no, Club? No, I was about to say, I, I thought you guys were fucking it with me. I've weeb? never heard of this game. Yeah, I guess I would consider it weeb, right? It is, it is. And you're about this dude who joins a literature club with four girls. And you guys write poetry. Yeah. Definitely, definitely worth a playthrough. Okay. It's, uh, that's a good one, Andrew. That's all I got to say. It's a, it's a real fucking good one. I'll, um, I'll quickly shout out here a game. I don't know if you guys played it or not. But, um, I remember a game called Spec Ops The Line. So in that game, you find out later on, like, a, I'm, spoilers if you never played the game. It came out in, like, 2010 or 2012, something like that. It's been out for a while. That whole game is figuring out that you have this psychological breakdown and all the shit that you're going through in the game 
<laughs> is just of your own manifestation. And so you have this spot where you you call in a white phosphorus bomb that kills like a hundred civilians of this area and you end up becoming the monster. That's some scary freaking shit, man. Everything you go through in that game, you realize you're the one that caused it all <laughs> as the playable character. It, dude, it is some trippy shit. And that game has like three or four different possible endings um, with how the confrontations and stuff work, man. That was That's some tense shit when you play through that game, man. And you realize, oh, man, I'm the one that did so all that's, this. That's like the uh, Jim Carrey movie 21? 23. 23? 23? 23, yeah. 21 is 21. the, uh, the blackjack the, movie. Uh, the, 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 yeah. 21? 21? <laughs> what a good meme. Andrew, you got any uh, some, some honorable mentions before we wrap this episode up of uh, our spooky season? So uh, a scary thing that always scared me as a kid was the uh, Red Ring of Death on my Xbox 360, which I experienced about three different times. Yeah. Um, but uh, another game that I haven't yet played that I've, I own like three to four copies of it uh, is Catherine. Now, it uh, doesn't strike me as horror, but it does strike me as, like, spooky and uh, uh, definitely psychological. Um, but that's that's something I'm going to have to open as well. Because I have, I have I think, one or two versions of it on PS3, and I've got another, like, one or two on PS4 unopened. So, Catherine Full Body. Hell yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps up the Halloween special. Uh, we kind of were all over the place as usual on this one. We talked about some some real life scary moments we had. We talked about uh, some scary movies. Talked about some scary games. Talked about some not so scary games. Talked about Scrapple. So, of course, you can always go to our Twitter, John. What's that Twitter, baby? VGL underscore podcast. That's on Twitter. Um... So you can tell, yeah, talk to us. What what are you going to be playing this Halloween season? Uh, are you going to go to the Apple Scrapple Festival? Did you look up Scrapple and then you unfollowed us? <laughs> what was that? Sorry. I didn't hear anything. Oh, that's the Vincent oh. Price laugh from oh, Thriller. Like it, it sounded really loud, and then it went muffled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That didn't have the desired well, effect I wanted. <laughs> so. See, I was I was wanting to do add like the. Uh, Spooky scary skeletons <laughs> and shivers down my spine. But I looked it up and it's a Disney thing from 1929. Oh, fuck. So I, I ain't like, touching yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't touching that, baby. <laughs> yeah, we, we ain't adding that in. There's no, no copyright that we'll, uh, we'll want to try to fight Mickey, with that. Mickey Mouse will come down and shove his fist down our th- assholes, man. Oh, you think this is a joke? <laughs> oh, boy. I'd like to feel of your asshole. I've seen fist. enough South Park to know what uh, that Mickey Mouse is really such a dick. I resemble that remark, pal. Oh, boy. Ha, huh, I got Kevin laughing. He can't stop now. Trying to remember where the fuck you interrupted me at. 
I don't remember either, but I'm going to keep going as Mickey Mouse. Huh. You're wrapping up. You're giving socials. uh... You got to wrap it before you tap it, pal. (laughs) Sex advice from Mickey Mouse. So tweet at us at VGL underscore podcast. VGL underscore podcast on Twitter. That's right. Thank you, Mickey. You're welcome, pal. That's going to be clipped and reused so many times (laughs) so tell us tell us what you guys are excited to play this halloween season uh tell us if you're going to go to the rapple scrapple apple scrapple festival uh let us know if you googled scrapple and are just completely turned off by the fact of uh we eat gray meat yeah it's definitely definitely gray definitely don't look up what's in it just no, no, that's one of the things, like, if you've tried it while you're out, you'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> but, like, once you've tried it, you're like... That's really good. Dude, my wife was from Pennsylvania. She didn't really try Scrapple. She didn't really like it before whenever it was like, you know, you get it at a restaurant and it's, like, Real super thick. thick yeah. And it's, like, so mushy in the middle. No, I, I got some Scrapple. I brought it home, cooked it up. Nice and thin, very crispy. She loves it now. She likes your meat, pal. <laughs> so let us know, uh, you know, what you're doing. This, what are you doing this Halloween? Let us know anything about Halloween. Halloween, uh, spooky movies you might be watching, some spooky games. Um, thank you again, Creative Brain Candy, for uh, having us. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Let us know what you're going as in Halloween this year. Uh, John's going as a prepubescent girl. That's definitely not Mickey. That's right, pal. <laughs> is that is that how your voice sounded when that dude was chasing you with that chainsaw? That's right, pal. <laughs> I was I was scared shitless. <laughs> I was like, Mom and Dad, <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, get that chainsaw out of my face. <laughs> if there's nothing else to add for you guys. Just want to say, I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. We'll see you guys next month. It's going to be November. I'm sure we'll have some really cool shit planned for that. So stay tuned and tell your, tell, tell everyone about us. You know, in fact, when if you're passing out candy this year, put a little note inside the Snickers bar saying, "Hey, subscribe to VGL uh, podcast." Please don't do that. Just a just a bit. Because you know, kids expect drugs in their candy, not notes about a podcast. Hey, don't be an asshole and tell them about some fucking podcast they're not even old to listen to. You wait until you're actually handing out, you know, toothbrushes and floss, and you 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 put the notes inside that. You don't put it in the candy. That's just a dick move. <laughs> and make sure you pass out the good candy. Don't be doing those fucking cornballs or those fucking Mary Janes, because that candy sucks ass. Make sure you pass out the good shit. Full-size candy bars, you cheap fucking bastards. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) We love you guys. That'll be it for this episode. Yet again, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. See ya. Peace.